It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Trey goes away from the Booker pick. He's got some airspace. Gives to Hayward. Drives the baseline. Going hard to the rim. And he'll lay it up and in. Gordon Hayward with 18 third quarter points. It is locked on Jazz for the 6th of June in 2016. Sixes are wide. The Warriors are the tip-off story of the day with their blowout of the Cavaliers. A trade idea. Dear Cleveland Cavaliers general manager coming up on the show as well. Plus, we'll look at Wade Baldwin IV and his draft prospects. It's all on today's edition of Locked On. Jazz. Thank you very much for tuning in. I'm David Locke. This is Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On Pac-12, the North Division Spring Update is up and available for you on the Locked On Podcast Network. Also, the Scout is even more interesting to listen to uh, in his breakdown, plus Mark Spears about the Warriors at Locked On NBA and hopefully adding new Locked On channels coming here in the near future. So very glad uh, and excited about all that. Thanks very much for tuning in today. Thanks for all your support. Uh, fun little uh, thing we'll do today. I got an email train with someone who wanted to make a trade. I went back and forth like I was a general manager. and We'll start a new feature where you email me at dlock09 at gmail.com as though I am the front office of somebody else. And you are the Utah Jazz front office. And we'll go back and forth, see if we make little trades or not, and then share it on the air. Should be kind of fun. So uh, you'll see how that works coming up here in just a second. Fun to see uh, Derek Favors and Trevor Booker at the Top Golf uh, VIP party. Had a good time, really nice place, and uh, should be a lot of fun. I, I don't really think you have to be a golfer to enjoy it. So uh, put that on your agenda for a fun little summer activity along the way with some friends and uh, – Great, festive, kind of fun atmosphere uh, over uh, at Topgolf. That's certainly, uh, they've, they've done a nice, nice job with that. All right, let's go to pins across the world. That's always where we start the program each and every day. If you're new to the program, we take your story about how you became a jazz fan and or an NBA fan and where you uh, tune in from. You can email that to me as well at dlock 9 at gmail.com. My name is Duncan Olson, lifelong jazz fan. I grew up in southeastern Utah in the small town of Blanding. My dad and grandpa were big jazz fans. They ended up trickling down to me. One of my favorite memories was just sitting and watching John and Carl, my dad. One of my favorite memories is when the jazz made the finals. My parents had already paid to send me to scout camp, which just so happened to fall during the first couple games. I snuck a small handheld radio and headphones into camp so I wouldn't miss a thing. I missed out on two campfires because I was busy hiding my headphones and trying not to cheer. From scout camp to attending a few games a year while I went to school, my fandom grew. Now I live in 
Thornton, Colorado, just outside Denver. And I continue to be a diehard jazz fan, have a lot of hope for the future. I got in on the ground floor of tip-off, been listening ever since. I feel like at this point we have a love-hate relationship with each other. I'm sorry. I will argue with you as they're stuck in traffic but seem to find enough common ground to keep things going. You've sold me a lot on analytics, and I'm convinced you to stop uh, by pressing the pause button. Uh, at the end of every day, I come back right back to tip-off. All, and all, I truly appreciate the time and effort. Uh, so... Thank you very much. Thornton, Colorado is Duncan Olson's spot. Let's get to the tip-off story of the day. Obviously, it's the Warriors just crushing Cleveland. You saw this coming. Uh, I actually saw, I mean, if you listen to my podcast and all my interviews I did during the week, I saw this coming. Uh, I I didn't think this series would be close. I I said I thought it would be a whitewash. I thought the only way in which Cleveland could beat Golden State was if they tried to outscore them. You know, shoot just a million threes. But Golden State's defense is too good. They're not getting those threes off. Uh, Cleveland is has come with the approach. They're so dead set on taking Curry and Thompson out of the game that it's leaving everybody else wide open. And frankly, Curry and Thompson were both pretty darn efficient. You know, for as much as everyone's talking about how little they did, they had 35 points on 24 shots. But... So often we see Draymond Green catch the pass off the double team of Steph Curry before on three as he has it in the doubles back on Curry. And he's dish- he, the way they're actually doing it is that it's then three on three and, and Draymond Green's unguarded. And so Draymond Green took 20 shot attempts. You know, the one thing the Cavaliers are doing well is they've disrupted the shot distribution of the Golden State Warriors. The problem is the Golden State Warriors are good enough to deal with that. And that's really the story of the series, is that their game plan was to disrupt the entire shot distribution for the Warriors, and it hasn't. And, and they've done it, and it, it hasn't mattered. The, but you know, you're leaving NBA. It's very collegiate. It's leaving you know guys wide open, daring them to shoot. That's the essence of where the NBA is different than college. You just can't do it. Uh you know, Cleveland started to run a bunch of interesting stuff and try some things, and they tried to do some of the same things Golden State does where, you know, pick on picks and swirling and kind of almost multiple picks on one guy and kind of flipping it around. And they, But it, they're just out of sorts. You know, they're now trying to play an offense they don't usually play. And that lasts for a little while, and then they reverted back to LeBron just trying to post up. And Kyrie Irving, who... I thought the scout had a great point. He had to be Batman in this series. Not that LeBron had to take a second fiddle, but that Kyrie Irving had to kind of be the way Russell Westbrook was unguardable. Had to be that same guy. He's anything but. The image of Kyrie Irving in this league could be very different. Could be very different by the end of this week. I mean, it's worth, you know, his place in the league, I think, has gotten a pass because he's been playing with LeBron. This series, he needs to be, you know, there's a big stage. He needs to be really fabulous. He's been anything but. He'll be more of the focus of the show uh, coming up here in a minute on our mailbag. But, I mean, if you kind of, you know, it's hard to, you know, the guy's, you know, he's a rookie and he, and he didn't play in his first year. He only plays 51 games, but, you know, 
at what point do we go back and say, wait a sec, he was 21-45 and 45 as a rookie. And the stories out of Cleveland is they just turned the franchise over to him. He was 24-58 and 58 his second year. And that's not, you know, it's certainly not a great team. It was young and inexperienced. Uh, and his third year, he was 33-49. and 49. That team, again, not great. Uh, did pick up Luol Deng at the trade deadline. Had Anderson Verge out. Deion, a 20, 22-year-old Deion Waiters. Jared Jack with Kyrie Irving. Tristan Thompson. You know, not great. But, it's, you know, at what point is he just putting on numbers on a really, you know, on a really not a very good team? And then, obviously, he, they turned the corner last year with 53 wins under Blatt. But they also add Kevin Love and, Ky- and, and LeBron. You know, Kyrie is still only 23 years old this year. And maybe that's what's showing here a little bit more than anything else. But he does he does not look good. It's pretty undeniable um, on on where he is as a player right now. You know, he only shot 32% from three this year. He's a 38% career three-point shooter. Unless there's something wrong with those le- his legs and they're not right. But it's more of the impact. And to me, it's more... I don't want to get distracted and all that other stuff because that might not be that valid an argument. It's more there's a looseness to his game. And the looseness to his game is not conducive to being very good at this level and at this stage. Now, he's never done it before. And we have to remember that, guys. Never do things well as well the first time they do things. You know, he's never done this before. And so in turn... You know, we may be seeing that aspect. The defense is just a mess for Cleveland. Last year, Cleveland, and I talked about it, it was the perfect game plan. LeBron would come down, he'd post up, the floor would be perfectly balanced. When he shot, you knew who was shooting, you knew where they were shooting from, and they would all get back defensively. And then when Steph rushed to the front court, there was Tristan Thompson, or one of the bigs was shadowing him, while Del Vadova, whoever else was there back as well, and, and they couldn't get going in transition. They kept him in the half court. The exact opposite is true right now. They, whenever Cleveland shoots, the floor is not balanced. Guys are on their own little agendas where they're not getting back defensively, and instead they're trying to get to certain spots or, or they're trying to make a little play. Or there was a play where J.R. Smith was kind of, you know, hovering. Like, no urgency to get back because it's almost as though, you know, there's just not this. We're so talented, there's not the same level of detail to the plan. Obviously, this can change in Cleveland, but this series is not going to change. Uh, I felt comfortable when it started. The Golden State was just the far superior team. And people thought I was nuts. Uh, but I, call me not surprised. I would suspect Cleveland gets a game here in Cleveland with the energy. On the other end, they just may not have any answer at all defensively. They're not a good defensive team. All right, let's play Dear Utah Jazz, or actually, I guess, you're emailing, you're calling me as, you're sending me uh, as though uh, you are the, uh, you're calling, the, you're sending the Jazz. So I, you are, um, I guess, for the purpose of this feature, It'll be more fun if you email me as the other team. So this is 
Dear Cleveland Cavaliers from Adam Edmonds. If the Jazz lose, if the Cavs lose, they'll need to move Love or Kyrie or try something new. My guess is Kyrie. So he proposes Kyrie Irving to the Jazz for Derek Favors, Dante Exum, and the 2016 first-round pick. Now, I will at least give Adam some real credit here. He's not trying the, you know, fantasy football trade of let me find the idiot in the room and try to screw them and give up nothing and figure that the other guy's just a just a fool. That's what most people do when they send me trades. So I, I, I actually engaged Adam in this. And and this gets Kyrie Irving is young and he's scheduled for seventeen million next year, eighteen the year after that, twenty one uh the year after that, and then he can get out in the nineteen twenty. So it'd be you know you have him for three years, you got his development, he's a big time scorer, uh his defense was putrid last night and you wonder if it's always that bad. Um you wonder a little bit if he's you know what you're watching right now, whether it's telling or whether it's just because it's against the Warriors. However, I'm Cleveland, and I responded with, I'm sorry, why do we want favors? We've maxed Tristan Thompson. We're not going to play favors and Thompson together. However, I would be interested in Gordon Hayward. What do you have to say? Adam says, well, favors and love are better than Thompson and love. And try and talk me into it, but the fact is I've maxed uh, Tristan Thompson, so he's on the team. Um, so Adam says, if they want Gordon, you still got to say yes, right? And then you either have to flip favors into a good three and D wing or like, or get someone free agency. And I have Kyrie, Rodney Hood, a new wing, Trey Lyles and Rudy Gobert. So that's so Adam, general manager of the Utah Jazz, has just traded Gordon Hayward, Dante Exum, and the 2016 first-round pick for Kyrie Irving. Cleveland does that deal, by the way. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm certain, actually, particularly after he trades favors for a good 3-and-D wing. Um, I'm certain that the Jazz are not better. With Kyrie, Rodney Hood, a new wing, Trey Lyles, and Rudy Gobert. In fact, I'm not sure that team wins 30 games, 35 games. Not, I'm not sure it wins 30 games. You have a second-year player in Lyles you're relying on pretty heavily. You've got a third-year player in Hood. You have Kyrie and you have a wing, none of which that are out there that can really score on their own. So there, we've made a trade. We may have destroyed the Jazz franchise, but we've made a trade. Send me, dear whomever, dlock09 uh, at gmail.com. You know, Mark Jackson made an interesting point last night. Uh, and he, a little arbitrary, and you know, I know that's an oxymoronic statement in itself. But uh, Mark said that he thought that other than LeBron James, that, that Clay Thompson was the second-best two-way player in the NBA. Let let me clarify one part about where this is just a really stupid way to discuss players, and then I'm going to actually discuss players this way. One is, like, Steph Curry, and and, and, or if James Harden, if you want to use James Harden, 
Like Steph Curry, okay, he's not a or Kevin Durant, like Kevin Durant's, but they're so incredibly dominant on one end of the floor. Like, what's what's the absurdity? Well, he's not a two way player. Like, I I don't get that concept really. I mean, like Curry is so dominant offensively. Who's to say? Like, okay, so he's. I mean, he's actually a pretty decent offensive player. Like, like if I've got 27 chips offensively and only 6 defensively, and so I have 33 chips overall, and I have 10 offensive chips and 10 defensive chips, and then I have 20, but I'm like, it's still better to be the other guy. It's a stupid concept that just because you're well-rounded, um, it somehow makes you better, right? Like, And it's not like you don't see... You know, you got gotten foul trouble a little bit. You very rarely see them trying to protect Steph Curry. He, he like holds his own. The Jazz tried to exploit him last year. We watched everybody. So I think it's kind of a absurd concept. Now, and I actually don't think that Clay Thompson would be the second best all around. Whatever that means, again, which is a stupid concept, is actually true. But with that said, so with that said. I thought it was an interesting concept that what he was basically saying is that Clay Thompson averages 20 points a game and most often is guarding the best player on the other team defensively. And Mike Breen brought up Kawhi Leonard. Gordon Hayward's not that far off that either, by the way. Gordon Hayward averages 19 point whatever points a game and most often is guarding the best player On the other team. Right? I mean, he's probably not going to guard the point guards as much as Clay Thompson does. To Clay's credit. Clay's, Clay's, a, Clay's evolved as a tremendous player. I mean, really, it's fabulous. The, the comment by Mark Jackson is also not that accurate. I mean, in, in really... Paul George probably qualifies in this group as well as another guy who averages 20. Clay's fabulous, second best in the league. I, I, I'm going to call it an overstatement. But it's an interesting concept. Like, All right, so let's go with, let's change the parameters. Of players that average, you know, lead the team in scoring, how many of them also usually have the assignment of the best defensive player or would be the best defender on that team? And so you get LeBron... Certainly not Damian. Paul George might be considered. Clay Thompson certainly deserves in the list. Kawhi Leonard's talked about. Jimmy Butler is talked about. You wonder if Wiggins will ever get there. Hayward is talked about. It has to be in that list. Chris Paul is interesting because he's so small he can't defend all positions, but he's a hell of a defensive player. And that's kind of it. Maybe Milwaukee's Chris Middleton kind of on the lower level. But that's pretty rarefied air to be on that on that group. All right, I have finished another NBA draft breakdown. It's Wade Baldwin the fourth. He's available for you. Let me give you an overall take on him here. He's six four, he's got this six eleven wingspan. His body is awesome. When you watch the highlight video, I think you'll really like him. I will tell you, if you watch him in games, you're left yearning for something more. It's hard to show that to you in the video. 
Like, how do I show you just a regular play where he executes the plan? But if you watch for a while and you watch him, there's these moments where he does just awesome, incredible things, and when he gets going downhill, he's real. But you are left yearning for a step more out of him than some other guy, than than when you watch. He's not just imposing his will on the game. Now, with that said, he may be playing the system. His defense on Jamal Murray late in the game was very good. When he got switched on Ben Simmons, he was fine. He handled uh, the kid out of Wichita State, Ron somebody or other, whose name is maybe Ron White, or that's the comedian. Who, oh, Ron Baker, who's uh, you know their best player. Uh, so whenever asked, it he was pretty good. As I said, when he goes downhill, he is bona fide. His shooting is not great. He shot 32% off the pick and roll this year. He shot 32.5% on spot ups. Some of his catch and shoot stuff's a little better. Um, 34% off the dribble. And there's a que- in the NBA game, will he have more space and more room? And the answer is yes. And that gets pretty exciting. I actually think he'll contribute right away. Frankly, Trey Lyles at times left you yearning at, to, to have a larger impact on games, and he couldn't do it probably because of his teammates, things like that. I, I, I'm a fan of Wade Baldwin the fourth, and I think if he's on the board at 12, he gets interesting for the Jazz because there's no need for him, but he fits to what we do very, very well. You know, he's a versatile. He can play point guard. He, he's, when he's gotten switched over to bigger guys, he's able to handle it pretty well. He's a really interesting player. This draft is getting more and more fascinating uh, as as it gets closer because of the mix match of players from 8 to 25 um, that don't seem to be that different. That is today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Locked on Pac-12, available for you as well. And Chad Ford and I are scheduled to do a interview today for Locked On NBA. How about that? Talk to you soon. Have a great day. Send me your emails at dlock09 at gmail.com. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.